You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. First right, Timothy 4, we're not going to stand tonight. I just want to be in one verse here. We looked at this on Wednesday night. Again, this is... Uh, Kind of part of our parent principles series on Wednesday nights, but I just had too much to get through uh, Wednesday and wanted to get a little bit more time with it this evening. So the verse is 1 Timothy 4.12, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And... Uh, I began dealing with this principle on Wednesday. This has been, in Samuel uh, being here tonight and Jacob too, they, they would understand this is a principle that really did guide a lot of our philosophy working with young people uh, when I was a youth pastor. And, uh, and I do think it's important. I call the principle kind of the example versus the expectation principle in that uh, we can either help our children to be examples of the believers, or we could allow them to to sink to the expectations of the culture. And on Wednesday night, I started with the idea that most people expect kids to be kids simply because they're young. You expect them to be a certain way. And and do we have that picture ready tonight again? No, didn't? Okay, didn't do that. Okay. Um, So we have, I showed a picture on on Wednesday night of Jace when he was about 18 months old and Aaron found him in the pantry and uh, we'll pretend like the picture's there in this position, okay, you see it in your mind he had gone into the pantry and he had dumped out a box of Lucky Charms and he had crawled around in the Lucky Charms and Aaron, of course, snapped a picture because that's what you do and, and it turns out Lucky Charms really are magically delicious, he discovered it's the kind of stuff kids do when they're 18 months old you expect those kinds of things We'd have major problems, though, if he's still crawling around in the pantry in Lucky Charms as a 16-year-old. We don't expect that. Uh, we also don't expect, on the other end of it, we don't expect that uh, if you were to go into the kitchen as an 18-month-old, it would be a surprise, just as much a surprise for a 16-year-old to crawl around in Lucky Charms as it would be for an 18-month-old to have a full hot breakfast ready for you when you wake up. It might be nice for some of you moms to have somebody like that in your home, but that would really surprise us. You don't expect that from somebody so young. It would be shocking because young children aren't supposed to do things like that. Uh, You expect them to do things that you look down on or you despise, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm just saying that's what Paul, that's the language Paul used. He said, let no man despise thy youth. Most young people will do things that you expect out of young people. That's what he's saying. Paul's an older preacher and he's talking to a younger preacher. Timothy was not a young, young man. He's not a teenager. He's likely in his 30s. We don't know for sure, but he's pastoring there in Ephesus and he's considered young for the position. So Paul warns Timothy uh, that he should be careful not to give other people a reason to look down on him because he's young. And he challenges Timothy to rise above the, uh, the expectations. He, he lets him know, Timothy, you don't have to, to sink to the lame expectations of the culture around you. To the contrary, Timothy, it's possible for someone young, even in your position, to be an example instead of an expectation. 
And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, rise above the expectations and be an example of the believer. You can either be an expectation or an example. And then Paul gives Timothy some areas in which he should be an example instead of meeting the low expectations. And, and tonight will be more of a practical message here. We've already gone through one of these, but I want to try to carry this through some of the others. Frankly, honestly, the next generation of children and teenagers, they need to be inspired to rise above low expectations. I mean, there's a lot of low expectations for the next generation out there. Our world doesn't expect much out of them. They're expected to dump out spiritual lucky charms well into their adulthood. They're, they're, I mean, if they do move out of their parents' basement, it's in their 30s, and that's okay. You can wait whenever you're ready. I mean, that's kind of the idea in our culture these days. So you, don't, you can wait to grow up until you're ready. It's not a big deal. Well, instead of letting our children and our teenagers stoop to meet the culture's expectations, they need to realize they can be examples even as young people. And as God's people, we should want to raise children that rise above the expectations. We should desire to have children that are examples of the believers, even as young people. So, so Paul lists, he gives this list of things that if a young person will do them, it will help them to be an example. Areas that truly make a difference when they're young. And, and on Wednesday night, we, we looked at the first one there. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in speech, in your word, he says. So your word, your speech. The expectation is that the average young person would use speech that gets them in trouble. That they don't use speech in a profitable manner, or words that are cruel or embarrassing and disrespectful and full of lies or gossip. And I mean, they just don't have much control over their speech when they're young. That's the expectation of our culture. Now listen, I'm not saying that's the expectation of Christian parents in this room. Because I'm thankful that we don't have expectations that low. But if you turn on the television and you see what the media expects young people to be, their speech is nothing to be proud of. But the example is that even the young can control their speech. They can speak words of grace. They can speak words of kindness. They can be patient. They can show love. They can have care. They can have respect. They can speak to adults, look them in the eye and speak to them. They can speak words that are edifying. Don't let our children and our teenagers settle for low expectations. It's possible for the young to rise above cultural expectations and be an example. We're not going to cover speech tonight since we already looked at it on Wednesday. But on Wednesday, I really went into a lot of detail about speech, about your words. And if we're going to cover all of these tonight, obviously each of these areas won't be that long or we'll be here till it gets dark. So I won't do that to you this evening. But I do want to touch on some of these. To be an example or the expectation in speech, and then he says, in word, I should say, then he says, in conversation. And conversation is your lifestyle. It's your behavior. It's your conduct. It's not, we think of conversation like you're having a conversation with somebody. That's not what he's talking about here. But you think about it, in our culture, the expectation is that a young person, I'm going to apply some of this to teenagers and some of this to young people, or to children, but in our culture, the expectation is that a young person is going to misbehave because they're young. They're young, they're going to sow their oats, they're going to do things they shouldn't do, and they will, I understand that. But it's amazing the kinds of, of things that young people come up with these days. 
Uh, I'm talking about teenagers. And as a youth pastor, I remember dealing with things, fads that would come along, and I would deal with them, uh, things like the fire challenge, where teenagers would light themselves on fire by spraying some kind of aerosol or flammable liquid, like hairspray, or then they would light it, and then they would post it on YouTube. That's the kind of stuff that's being exalted or laughed at uh, online these days. You talk about lowering your expectations for this generation. They were were doing things like the deodorant challenge where they would spray aerosol deodorant on their arm for as long as they could handle it. And if you did it long enough, you would have have effects similar to to frostbite. And that's the expectations of the culture that we live in. That's what they're doing I remember as a kid, all the way back to the time I was a kid, and there was this thing called the choking game, where you would, you would try to make somebody pass out by cutting off their air. And I remember it happening at school, and kids would try to make, make themselves pass out. It makes absolutely no sense but that, that there's a disconnect between actions and consequences when you're young. That's the expectation. And this generation, uh, parents, uh, listen to this, this generation will do just about anything to have a video of themselves go viral these days. Foolish, silly, dangerous. It doesn't matter if if they could have a moment of fame and have a video that goes viral. There's a lot of young people that make temporary decisions and they have permanent consequences because all they're thinking is, ooh, I want to do something that people remember. And people say, well, you know, they're young. What do you expect? Well, honestly, I expect a lot more than that. They don't have to be reckless. Young people don't have to be complacent. They don't have to misbehave. They don't have to do things that will cause others to say, well, they're young. That's what they do. They don't have to. See, we need to stop letting them lower to the expectation and rise to be examples. And you say, well, what's the example what, uh, when it comes to lifestyle, when it comes to how we carry ourselves, when it comes to how we behave? What's the example? Well, we have a very good example, and his name is Jesus Christ. And that should be the goal toward which we're striving. I think about 1 Peter 1.15, and it says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, your lifestyle. And you might be tempted to say, well, that's too high a standard for my children. But listen, that's the standard that we're all striving for. We should never let our children think, well, you know, to be like Jesus, that's just too high of a standard. No, we should all be striving for that. And you say, well, my kids are little. I understand that. I'm not saying that we, that we have a, a sense of unreasonable expectations when they're young. But by the time they become a- adults, we should be striving to raise Christ followers, Christians, people that exhibit the life of Christ in, in their actions. That's what we're shooting for. You know, we should try to raise children that are attentive to the small things. Children, that that would stand out among among the expectations of the culture is that a a child would would be attentive to something small like cleaning up or if there's a a wrapper on the floor to have a child. I'd love to, if we could train the children of Eastside Baptist Church when you're walking through the halls and you see something on the ground, I mean, don't wait till an adult reaches over to pick it up. They're a lot closer to it. They're way down there. I mean, some of us may go down and we never come up. So let's train them. They see something on the ground, don't just leave it there. When I, my kids were little, we would have this little, this dumb little song. I don't even know why I came up with it, but they still remember it. We would go to the church, and I'm not going to ask them to sing it. They could probably do it in harmony today, but 
we would say, I, it was like a little, just a little saying. I'd say, to always pick up trash when we're at the church. Caitlin remembers it. And it just kind of, you know how you say something like that enough times, and they always pick up trash when we're at the church. And you can even, I mean, it just, it's not very catchy. I know it's a poor songwriting, but, but they remember it. And we would get out of, the, out of the car and we'd be walking into the church and I'd say, always pick up trash. They'd look down, they'd see it, they'd pick it up, they'd throw it away when we get inside. There's no reason that our children shouldn't be that attentive to the details. Children that keep their parents, I know this is, this is big, keep their rooms clean. You know, that, that don't spend all day in front of a screen. And teenagers that, that aren't on their phones the whole time. Children that know how to behave themselves in God's house. Parents, it's important. Let's be diligent about training our kiddos how to behave right here and, and, and help them not to run between adults or run down the aisles in the sanctuary and play on the platform. Listen, they can do better than that. It's possible to raise children that respect God's house. It's possible to raise children that respect adults that say, yes, ma'am, and yes, sir, without being prompted. I mean, children that are concerned for the needs of other people instead of always seeking their own benefits. Where will those kinds of children be found if not among God's people? We have a standard of Christ to follow after. Let's not assume that our children can't get there. So they can be an example of the believer in, it says, in word, in conversation, in charity. And this means, this word means love. It means to seek another person's best, to consider others above yourself. You know, the expectation of our culture is that young people certainly are not looking out to meet the needs of somebody else. Young people are really most interested in themselves, that the youth will be self-absorbed. And I just want you to think about this. When you think, do you have your phone on you, Aaron? Go ahead and get off Instagram real quick. Okay, so, you know, when you think about um, your parents taking a picture. You know, what, the way that I think about my parents taking a picture is my mom is saying, get over here, you get down, come forward, and she's taking a picture and cutting all of her heads off, you know. In the... But now think about someone in this generation taking a picture. What are they doing? They're taking a picture of themselves. Usually with the lips extended fully. You know, that's the culture, and I think taking pictures is probably the simplest, clearest way to understand the difference in generations now. Because this young, this generation is really self-absorbed. And I'm not saying that generations of teenagers have, haven't always been self-absorbed, but now they're carrying phones and cameras around with them all the time to prove it, how, just how self-absorbed they are. The young are not usually known for their selflessness. And none of us have to train. I know you didn't. I did not. None of us have to train our children on how to express displeasure when they don't get their way. That's the expectation. But there's an example in Philippians 2. And again, it revolves around Christ. And it says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And the next verse says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. If we could train the next generation to make it a habit to constantly be looking for ways to meet the needs of somebody else rather than just thinking about their own needs, they will turn heads in this culture. To have youth that when we have an event here at the church, 
assuming we have events again someday, we have an event and we're cleaning up after an event someday, you know, it'd be great. And I think, I'm thankful that we have some young people like this, that after the event is over, they're the first people helping put chairs up. They're the first people clearing off tables and rolling tables into the storage closets. We've got some young people in our church then they're looking for trash to take out and they're looking to be a help. And listen, that will help them stand out in this generation that they're not just absorbed with their little group of people and friends that they're talking about, but they're out there helping and they're being a blessing. Let's raise our children to think that way. It's possible to have them offer to help clean up and to help carry something. I mean, young men, listen, if you ever see a, a, any adult, but especially a lady carrying something across the parking lot, um, they should never finish carrying it across the parking lot. Teenage boys, you should, you should run up to them and offer to take what they're carrying and help them. And if they say, no, I've got it, it's fine, you should at least open the door for them. You've got to think about those kinds of things. And if you're accident prone and they don't want you to drop it and break it, that's on you. I mean, I... I can't help that, but at least offer it. You know, we should have a generation of young men at Eastside Baptist Church that won't let a lady do something that's heavy, carry something heavy, or do something that's hard. Open the door. Be thinking about other people, young men. If you make a mess somewhere, clean up after yourself. To be on the, be on the lookout for ways to be a blessing. I mean, those are things that's unheard of in our generation. It's unheard of in this young people's generation to have them... I mean, think about it. Moms would pick themselves off the floor if you never had to tell your children to start doing the dishes after the meal is over. To start cleaning up their, their, their place at the table or just to clean up at home without being asked. And I'm thank we have one like that. I mean, we, I'm thankful. Uh, we, Audrey is ours. Sometimes we'll wake up sometimes and she's out cleaning the garage. We're like, what, whose child are you? Where did you come from? I'm thankful for that. You know, I, I would attest that that's, that's definitely more of her own initiative than it is probably my training, but I'm thankful for it, and it lets me know that young people can do those kinds of things. You don't have to wait, young person, you don't have to wait, especially young ladies in here, don't wait till your, your mom starts doing the dishes after the meal. You get up and you carry the, the dishes and you clear off the table and you, and you wash the dishes and you load the dishwasher and, or be, just be the dishwasher. I mean, it, it's a help and that is rare in this day and age. You don't be the expectation just because the culture says that. Be an example of the believers. Youth can be an example of charity, but it's, that's not the expectation. So a lot of times as parents, we don't demand it, but in reality, according to Paul, it's possible. And I, I'm, and I just know the examples that I have of my own kids. That's the only reason I'm using them. But when, when Jace was was young, he, you know, he's our only son. As a young boy, we told him, "Listen, every, as soon as you can, you hold the door. That's your job. You be a door holder." And he does, and that's his. He thinks that's his ministry. He's a door holder, and he usually is trying to get to the door before his sisters do, so he can hold the door for him. The other day, we were at Casey's and. We were walking in, and he had run ahead, and he was holding the door, and a few of us went inside, and then this, this elderly lady, she pulled up right there by the door, and she got out, and she was moving really slow, and she saw Jace holding the door, and she looked at him, and she, she came up to the curb real slow-like, and she said, young man, can you come help me up the curb? 
So he's a little seven-year-old, and he's like, what am I supposed to do now? So he went over there, and he helped this, this elderly lady up the curb. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, because he was faithful to be a door holder, now he's getting to help some older lady walk up the curb. Like, it's ministry. He's moving on up, you know. <laughs> you know and, but those are the kinds of things, young men and young ladies, if you'll be diligent to do the little things, God's going to give you bigger opportunities someday. It's, it's, it's clear, it's obvious, and you don't have to just run in, into, the, into the grocery store, run into the gas station, and leave the, let the door shut in your mom's face, or in your sister's faces, or in your dad's face. Open the door, men. I mean, there's no reason that you can't be a door holder. I think every young man in our church ought to strive to do that. So he says, be, a, be an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, and then he says, in spirit. You know, the spirit dwells in us, Holy Spirit. And we as children should be governed by the spirit. He should be in charge. And very often, young, uh, youth and adults alike are governed by something else, and it's often our emotions. The expectation is that young people won't have great attitudes, and there's an expectation in our culture that says, well, children or youth, there's about a six or seven year period where they're just going to every day have perpetual bad attitudes. That's the expectation of our culture. And listen, I know the teen years are tough and we've got some young people in here and you, you know, there's, it's just tough. And you've got emotions and you've got other things that you're dealing with, but the world, the world gives them a pass because they say, well, they're teenagers. That's just how they are, as if they have an excuse to treat everyone poorly. And listen, I know it's hard, and I know emotions aren't easy to control, but you don't have to live that way. You have an option to submit to the Holy Spirit and live, let Him rule your emotions. We're not supposed to be ruled by emotions. Scripturally, we're supposed to be ruled by the Holy Spirit. Young people, listen, it doesn't really get easier. I mean, you will have to deal with your emotions your whole life. I mean, I, I mean even just this last week, I... We were, and this, I'm telling on myself here, but we were, we were, we were tra- traveling and we had to make a quick trip and we were stopping real late at night or real early in the morning and we were just going to get a hotel. And, uh, and I walked into the hotel and, and uh, we were, I was checking in and everything and then it's, I thought, but we had our little dog with us and I said, oh wait, is this pet friendly? And the website had said it was, but there's a big sign up there that says it wasn't. And the lady said, oh no, it's not. I said, oh I don't know if we can do this. But then I said, but, you know, it's not that warm. We'll crack the windows. We're just going to be sleeping a few hours. So we'll just put her in her kennel and leave her in the suburban. And the lady said, I'm not comfortable with that. I can't give you a room. I said, oh, really? Well, let me take you through the Romans road real quick. <laughs> you know, I didn't say that. I wasn't very, I, she wasn't being very nice to me. And I, if I could admit to you, I wasn't very nice back to her. And we went and found a different place. And, you know, and in my mind, I'm thinking, well, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and she was being unreasonable. But that does not give me an excuse to be controlled by anything other than the Holy Spirit. It's never right to let your emotions tell you what to do. As a Christian, it is always the right thing to let the Holy Spirit determine your words and your actions and your spirit with somebody and I failed, and I, as I was walking out, I was thinking, I'm sure glad my son did not see that exchange. Listen, the reason most young people have rotten attitudes is because they're choosing to live under something, uh, the control of something other than the Holy Spirit. 
and what we with our, it's our problem because we haven't taught them it's possible to be as a teenager to be spiritual. You know it's possible for a young person to be spiritual. It's possible for a young person to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Uh, the example, so the expectation is that we let our emotions control us. The example is Ephesians 5, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. It's possible. And when we're under the control of anything other than the Holy Spirit, we can't help but have bad attitudes. But when we deliberately let Him take the reins of our lives and daily nurture our relationship with Him, we will find ourselves in our lives and our outlook, we will find it changing. Suddenly our attitude is different. When you're walking under the control of the Holy Spirit and you're filled with the fruits of the Spirit, it changes everything. A good attitude is possible even in bad circumstances. We just have to let our children understand it's possible for them to let the Holy Spirit control their lives. The expectation is that young people are out of control. The example is that even as youth, they can be under the control of the Holy Spirit. It's possible. When it comes to children, they don't have to be out of control. You know, it's amazing how a few serious training sessions with an 18-month-old can change their spirit. And I think, I mean, it's, I understand. I mean, it's, as a parent, you feel overwhelmed sometimes. And you feel like the job is never going to end. You feel like they're never going to give it, get it, and they're never going to submit. But listen, it takes some diligence, and it takes some effort, and it takes some persistence. But listen, if you will simply say, no, it's gonna, I'm not, they're not going to win. They're only 18 months old. They don't even weigh 30 pounds. They can't defeat me in this one. You know, and it takes some time, and it takes some patience, and it takes some effort. But parents, um, you, the, the spirit of your child is dependent on whether or not uh, you teach them to submit to their parents. And I know some children are harder than others, but with every single one of our children, all five of them, we came to a, this come-to-Jesus moment when they're about 18 months old. Sometimes it takes a few hours. But by the end of it, I mean, it's amazing how when a child submits to their parent, how much their spirit changes, how much their attitude changes. We just need to decide if we're okay with them being the expectation or we want to raise examples. He says then in verse 12 that they, we should be an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith. And this refers to how strongly you believe in and are loyal to Jesus Christ. So the expectation is, and I would, listen, this is an important one. For most of the world, religion is just a part of their lives. It's simply a, a very small part for the most part even. Really, the world doesn't expect a young person to treat church and their religion any differently than a young person would treat, treat their 4-H club or their soccer uh, team or their music lessons. It's just extracurricular. And I'm afraid a number of young people don't have what I call first-hand faith. In other words, it's kind of like they follow Christ because their parents do or their grandparents do uh, or whether maybe if their friends do or not. But it's almost a second-hand faith. It's almost a hand-me-down faith, like going to the thrift store and finding an article of clothing that you know, kind of fits or picking up a pair of shoes that somebody wear, wore a few times. Uh, listen, that's, that's why the statistics say that 70% of young people in churches that are similar to ours walk away from Christ when they become adults. Listen, I don't want my children to be in that number. 
And I, I can't change what they'll choose someday. But listen, I will not, I, I, as a dad, it means more to me that they stay with Jesus Christ and they keep their faith and I'll do whatever it takes. And I know some of you have had children that make that decision and it's not always the parent's fault. Let me just say that. You train up a child in the way he should go when he's old, he will not depart from it. That's the promise. But every person has, has a choice to make. They have their own will. And you say, well, you know, I did this wrong and I did that wrong. Um, well, Adam made a pretty big mistake and he was in a perfect environment with a perfect father and he still made a very big mistake. You know, an environment does not make your child's choices for you. But we should, as parents, do everything we can to put them in the best position we can to stay, to stay with Christ in their faith. Be passionate about our children having their own relationship with Christ not just a hand-me-down faith that they could take or leave. In a lot of Christian homes, uh, church is a compartment among many, but Jesus Christ should be right in the center. So the expectation is that church take it or leave it. The example is that faith, a relationship with and commitment to Christ, is the single most important thing in their lives. We should raise them up to seek first the kingdom of God. And I don't know what the next few decades looks like. I have no idea. I don't know what the next few years looks like in our country, to be honest with you. I don't think we've seen it going downhill as fast as we are right now. It doesn't look all that positive for this next generation. We need to help them establish a strength and a conviction for the things of God, or they won't be left standing. We think that we've had it rough, but think about the country we live in now compared to the country that you grew up in when you were a child, when you were a teenager. And listen, it has changed immensely in just about 15 years. And if they're going to stand strong, and again, I'm thinking about my own children, if they're going to stand strong for the Lord, they need to see parents that put God right in the center of their lives. Parents that put him first and let everything else fit into some compartment if it fits anywhere at all, but it doesn't really matter because Jesus Christ and his kingdom are first in our family. Our children need to see that. I mean, even a young person can have a meaningful walk with God. And we need to teach them that and tell them it's possible. We saw that this morning. As the youngest person in this room in here, uh, we've got little ones. And the youngest person in this room, the youngest child... God created that person, that child, to relate to him. He created them to have a relationship. And it's possible, even from a young age, for them to have faith, to have a walk with God, to stand strong for God. Don't assume they're too young. And then the last one here, it says, in conversation, in charity and spirit, be an example of the believers in purity. Keeping ourselves clean from sin. We could preach about purity all day, especially in this culture. You know, the expectation is, here's what the world thinks every young person is going to experiment and sow their wild oats and mess around. And they're just kids being kids. Let them, let them experiment. But 70% 70 of young people have been sexually active to some degree by the time they reach adulthood. Over 1,100 teenagers give birth every day. 
uh, immorality, wickedness, it's everywhere. You can't listen to a song at Walmart or the restaurant without hearing profanity or subject material that you shouldn't, that you would blush at if it was playing husbands and wives in your bedroom. Yet you can't hardly take your children anywhere without them being subjected to it. It's all over in music and in television and movies and on the internet, computers. Listen, the expectation is that young people enter adulthood without some level of purity. They've lost something along the way. And we ought to do everything we can to protect them. We can't make every choice for them. But we do know in Proverbs 6.32, immorality destroys a person's soul. We ought to be diligent and, and careful. And we can't, again, make their choices for them. But we should create an environment that at least, at least makes purity possible. The example is that God has called young people to holiness. Even young people. God has called young people to purity. To stay clean and spotless from sin. And I know it's hard to keep them protected from everything. But the world is so sensualized and sexualized that we can't assume anything's harmless anymore. It's possible. Parents, it's possible to maintain an example of purity even in a wicked culture. You say, oh, I just don't know how we can do it. Well, go ask Daniel. You know, in the Bible, Daniel. He's a young man in a wicked culture with no parents. They're telling him what to do. And yet he had the, the spiritual fortitude to keep himself pure. Joseph, go ask him. Ask him how possible it is. Listen, it's possible. And when a young person can be an example in that way, people will notice Protect the hearts of parents. Protect the hearts of your daughters and the eyes of your sons. Don't allow those impure seeds to be planted by this immoral culture. You know, Proverbs 20, 20, 11 says, Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. It's an expectation from God that our children maintain purity, that they are pure. Listen, there's a lot of application for our kids, and I could go through lists, and I've got plenty of ideas, and I know you do too. We could go through every area again and not touch it all. Word, conversation, charity, spirit, faith, purity. But there's an application for those of us in here that aren't children. And that is, do we have the right mentality about what to expect? I'm not just in the areas mentioned, but in our approach. Are we content... We're raising the next generation. Are we content to let them settle down somewhere with low expectations? Are we content with them? Well, as long as they're just better than the culture, and I said that on Wednesday, as long as they're just better than the culture, you know, we're fine with that because compared to the culture, they're doing pretty good. But listen, as the culture goes down further and further and further, and you're saying that as long as we maintain distance from the culture, we're okay, but if the culture keeps going down, then we're, we're still going down. And where we are today, if it's all about, well, our measurement is the culture. If, it's that's, if that's our measurement, then where we are today is likely far worse than it was a generation ago. But because it looks better than the culture, we're okay with it. We have to be careful not to let the culture determine our standard. Our standard is the holiness of Jesus Christ. Parents, don't contribute to the lucky charms mentality and just let your children, well, they're kids, they're just going to be kids. No, we ought to strive to help them uh, become like Christ, even as children. Aim high. 
Stop aiming so low. What responsibility then do we have to help them be examples instead of simply meeting low expectations? Well, there's a lot of things we can do, and I'm thinking about putting them under the teaching and preaching of God's Word at church and even at home, especially at home. High expectations in areas of holiness. I know that's not popular, but where, is there, where are they going to hear it? Anywhere else. But I really think the most important area The most important responsibility, folks, listen. The most important responsibility that you and I have for our children is they need examples. They need examples in word and conversation, in spirit, in charity, in faith, in purity. We can demand that our children, our youth, the next generation rise above the culture's expectations and be an example, but just like Timothy We have a responsibility to show them what it looks like. That's the best way that we can confirm to them what we're teaching is true, is that we're examples. And the the illustration that I think really helps fit this is when you put together a puzzle. In our family, we like to do puzzles. uh, This winter, you know, as it stretched along, we would be like, let's do another puzzle. We'd get down, go down in the basement and crank up the fire and put a puzzle together, and it was, we enjoy it. But you know, putting a puzzle together is just about impossible if all you have are the pieces. And you don't have the box to look at. You know how that goes, you know, if you're putting a puzzle together with some other people, and it's like there's kind of a fight over who gets to look at the box and who has the angle, and sometimes they'll put another picture of it inside, and, and everyone's kind of always trying to, Find that and, and have that to look at because it's much easier to put, to, to put a puzzle together if you have the picture to look at. Well, I think that's true in raising our children as well because we say, well, speak like this and act like that. And the Bible says this is the attitude you're supposed to have and be an example in word and conversation and charity, spirit, faith, and purity. But maybe the best way for us to teach them is for them to have a picture to look at. See, like Paul told Timothy, your example will be the strongest case to compel others to follow you. And I know it's the personal responsibility of a young person to rise above the expectations of the youth. They have the responsibility of being an example, but they'll be much more likely to become an example if they've seen what one is supposed to look like in their homes. We say, here are the pieces, and we give them the pieces to the puzzle, but they, they're not sure quite what it looks like to be an example of the believer in word because dad can't control his tongue. And they're not sure what it's like to be an example of the believers in conversation uh, because, they have, because they haven't had a very good example of, of holy conduct. They're not sure maybe what it's like to be an example of, of the believer in charity because you know, maybe there's a lot of self-absorption around them. Listen, I'm not indicting you. I'm lumping myself into this category. And I think it's good for us as parents to confront ourselves with the kind of example we're giving our children. We can give them all the pieces, but if they don't have the picture of the puzzle, they'll likely not ever be able to put it together. We shouldn't expect only the youth to be examples. For them to be an example is compelling because it's unexpected. But for those who aren't considered young, like us, 
Being example is the expectation. That's where we're supposed to be. And maybe parents, we need to stop and ask, well, maybe I'm the one rolling around in Lucky Charms. And it's time for me to, to not act less than my age and say, no, I'm, God has worked enough in me. I've been saved long enough and I have an example of what it's supposed to be like. It's time for me to be an example in these areas, not just to my children. We've got some in this room that don't have children, but listen, we have a whole generation of young children coming up. And I don't know if, it, I mean, as a, as a kid, I can promise you, I did, wasn't just watching my dad. I was watching men in our church who were examples of the believers in, in word and conversation and faith and spirit and charity and unity, all of those things. You know, I was, I was watching them, not just my dad, but what my dad was teaching me at home, they were confirming at church and, and on the ball field and at men's campouts and at fellowship times, they were confirming. And listen, we have responsibility as a church, not just parents. We have responsibility as a body of believers. I mean, edification is part of our role as a church. And that doesn't just mean adults. There are children in this room Men, women, children in this room, you can have a major impact on to edify. The question tonight then is, are we providing an example? Are we asking our young generation to be an example of the believers when we're not providing one ourselves? It's good to confront yourself. I'm thankful for a church that provides those kind of examples, but it's always good for us to examine ourselves. Listen, I would love to raise, help raise a generation of young people here in Sioux Falls that grow up to be example of the believers. Man, I want to be a part of that. And it's going to take the word, and it's going to take patience, and it's going to take love. And sometimes it's going to take discipline and training and some hard lessons. But the most important thing it needs is examples from us. So let's strive to be examples so they can be examples instead of expectations. Let's stand together. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.